So this morning, we are studying 1 Peter. Turn in your Bible to the epistle of Peter, 1 Peter. This is the fourth teaching and many teachings. I, don't, I think there's going to be about 12 uh, lessons that I'll do that I'll be teaching out of God's Word. We're doing an expositional teaching. It's a little different. Thank you so much, Robert. It's a little different than I usually do. Uh, I do some expositional teaching. I always teach from the Word of God. I love series. I love topics. But I just thought, you know, I just want us to dive in. I've had some really good feedback, and some of you are like, how long will this last? Well, I'm praying that you're going to love God's Word and that you're saying, man, this is good because we're just digging and walking through that together. This morning, I want to open a little bit different, though, as we start together. I think often about how less personal the world is becoming. We have a great word that we use often, social media. I participate in that. Many of you do. I do Instagram. I look at Instagram, Facebook. I'm just not a Twitter fan. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, it's okay, and I see some of it, but I I really like the Instagram. I, I don't know. You know, when I read books in school, see Dick Run. I mean, that was really fun, okay? So I like the pictures. Those are fun and with a few words. But, you know, as, as I continue to study and I think about how things are changing so rapidly and so fast, I remember when Facebook first came out, I kind of I messed up on that, man. I was like, wow, I was, I was into it. Matter of fact, I couldn't go to sleep at night. I was just like, I'm going to catch up with these people from the past. And look how many friends I've got. And blah, blah, blah. Who cares? And you, will you be a Facebook friend? <laughs> Let me tell you, if they're just your Facebook friend, you better find some new friends. And the church said. Now, that didn't mean that you don't have really great friends on Facebook. But the, the, a lot of it just, will, will you like me? <laughs> what if they go, no. But anyway, but... Uh, and, and then like, well, do you like this post? And, and sometimes I, I do. I go, I like this. I like this. I mean, what if they had a button on there? I don't like it. But, you know, we, but everybody's, you know, we're kind and I think it's fun. Forbes magazine had a thing. It says, despite being more connected than ever before, more people feel more alone than ever before. Scary, isn't it? See, I've talked about this in the past and I love social media and I, and I love podcasts and I love live streaming. I love all that stuff. We're not doing that now just because of uh, the quality. Now, if you go online, our quality is much better because it doesn't, it's able to upload at a, at, at a better speed, Jeff says, and the clarity and the resolution and all that is so much sharper. And I, all I know is I can tell there's a big difference when we're not live streaming. But here's my concern. You have a catastrophe. You have something falls apart in your world and you're only connected to the social church. You're in trouble, friend. Amen. I mean, there's something about just hugging people and, and embracing them and listening to them and crying with them and laughing with them and drinking their coffee and eating their donuts or whatever it is. It's just good to be in community. So I'm trying to build a case for that. You know, you go to Starbucks. And it's funny when you think about it, you know, people go there, I know, because of Wi-Fi and all that. But it's like everybody's together. But they're really not together. Like we go over to Panera. We went over the other night, <clears throat> got a bowl of soup. And there's this guy, he's a large guy, he's got big arms, and the reason I know that, he had a t-shirt on, and it was like 16 degrees. It was cold outside. Can I just say, can everybody say cold? It was cold. And, and that brother's got his, he's got his ear set on, man, he's listening, he's just doing this. He hadn't got a clue. He's, he's a fool. I, I, you know, maybe he's here today. I mean, man, bless him. I shouldn't have said that, because that guy could like punch me out. But Fred, you came in. Glory to God. You take care of him, Fred. Hey, I got to welcome somebody. You know what? I, I got ahead of myself a minute ago. Man, Nick and Lucretia are in the house with little Jalen. She just made her first appearance in church today. Little Merkel. Yeah. 
Glad to have her today. Yeah, that's cool. Some of you are like, who's that? We'll go over there and find out. See, this is not social media. You can walk over there and go, man, that's that good-looking couple. Yeah, okay. Well, as we think about it this morning, let's, let's just get right here. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Look there with me. It's, it's just an amazing section. Here we go. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you will have, sin, have a sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. Now, we're just going to kind of jump into this. And here, here's the first point I want to say to you. We live in a love-starved world. And the, we should, the community should flourish among believers. I mean, this is a love that's contagious. This is a love that you can feel, that you can squeeze, that you can touch. And, and that's one of the things that really attracts me to Christ is his incredible love for me and for you and that we get to be conduits to expressions for the love of Christ. And I, right now, I just want to, but I'm not going to, I just want to say, just reach over and hug somebody. Somebody like, look, brother, you know, look, we already greeted them. And, and that was really outside my comfort zone, okay? That was, that was enough. So right now, I'm not going to make you hug anybody. And some of you are like, oh, crud, I, I wanted to. Okay, so here, I want you to look right here. The phileo, it comes from Philadelphia. It, it's the love of the brethren, the love of brothers and sisters. And that's what God... And right here, Peter's talking about, man, I want y'all to love one another. I want you to really be into this love. But I don't want this love just to be vertical. I want it to stretch out, and I don't want it to touch people. I want people to consume it. I want them to embrace it. I want them to have it in their life. And, and, and so this agapo love, it's, it's a strong love, and it's a love that should flourish in really a beautiful way for the cause of Christ. But also in verse 22, you see this love, it's the core. It's the centerpiece for the gospel. For God so hated the world that he gave, oh man, I think I misquoted it. For God so, agapo, God so loved us that he gave himself. And, and I love that. And you're like, man, then, then tell me something new. But here's, here's this love one another, but I want you to love each other from the core to the core of the other person, but I want you to love them with passion. I want you to love them intensely. I want you to love others fervently because that fervent love of Christ is contagious. Matter of fact, as I was doing some study for this, the old great coach of the Green Bay Packers, Nick, this is for you, Vince Lombardi. What, what a motivator of men. And, and you're saying, well, now Vince Lombardi and love, I, I don't think those two belong on the same page. And he was a rugged football coach, great coach, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's true. But I love what he says. He says, what does it take to build, to make a winning team. In the quote, first you teach the fundamentals. Remember one time when Vince Lombardi went into the locker room and says, gentlemen, this is a football. Okay, well, some of you are like, okay, Doug, he, he wasn't real smart. No, he was real smart. He was trying to get him back to the basics. But he goes, players have to know the basics of the game. That's important. But next to that, you've got to keep them in line, and that's called discipline. Anybody that's followed Vince Lombardi and his, what, he, his legacy, he was a man of extreme discipline. But he goes, then men have to learn to be disciplined. They have to learn to play as a team, as a unit. 
But then they've got to care for and love one another. Vince Lombardi said that. Now, Jesus is all about this loving thing. Man, we, we got to love each other. And some of you are like, man, I, I love this message. I, I love people. Well, do you? I mean, if we really look within our hearts, there's probably some people we don't love. We say we love them, but I mean, okay, here, here's a test. We say we love everybody, but we bring up a name. And the mere mention of their name causes you a little uneasy feeling. I say that with conviction because I've experienced that many times in my own life. And that's not the love of a Christ follower. That's the love of the enemy. And I'm like, Lord, I've got to learn how to, to love great. And we'll build this case biblically while I'm, I'm trying to talk about this today. In this demonstrating our personal liberty. That first of all, look here in, in, this, in this section here. He says here that this sincere love for your brothers, this sincere love for each other. It, it's, it's an incredible love. It's this present part, uh, deal that it's, it's a love that <clears throat> doesn't pretend. It's a love that is sincere. And if you track that back to the Latin, it means sincere without wax. I brought a little prop. I was just thinking about some things. And my granddaughter and I, we, we have a ball with this. This is the, uh, Donna, I, I didn't bring the bowl. I didn't bring the porcelain bowl. Don't worry, baby, I won't break it. I just brought some, some plastic fruit. I mean, guys, is, I mean, is, is this pretty? I mean, doesn't that look good? And it is fake as fake can be. <laughs> but you know what's funny? My little granddaughter comes over, and she picks this up, and she'll go, mm. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then and she'll, pop and i'll go and i do it with her and then we go to her kitchen in our kitchen and we pull out one of my favorites out of her kitchen plastic french fries <laughs> and she goes pop would you like some no i want the real ones from mcdonald's but okay and i and, and so we play with this and i just bring this i mean that's the way but it says sincere without wax basically a porcelain uh, uh, somebody that made uh, statues. Can you imagine that you were building a statue in that day and you had chiseled it out and it was awesome? And let's say that you had a big nose <laughs> and they were making this nose and the nose fell off. That, oh boy, wouldn't that be horrible? And you'd go, what do you do? Do you start over? No, they would go and they would get wax and they would shape it and they would fill in that or they would take bowls and they would fill in the cracks it would be sincere without wax. See, God wants us to not have a plastic love. God wants us to have a real love for him, for the body of Christ. And I don't know this morning, you're saying, well, man, I've, I've got deep love for everybody. Man, that's incredible. You're probably one of the few people in this room that can say that. Like, here's one that I hear. It's always kidding. I've always laughed about it, and I do it. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. And everybody, everybody's just great and man you just had a fight you just had a blow up you just screamed at your kid your wife just told you something that was less than edifying you told her something and and you <sighs> fake plastic smile how many of you have had the fake plastic smile at church oh only a few of you okay the rest are hypocrites okay we're all being honest and what's funny is when you have kids your kids are like who is that like, that ain't the person I rode over here with. And you know, Don and I started a new habit when we started Christ Community 19 years ago. 
we don't ride together anymore. And it's not because we don't love each other. We, no, it's because I, I come earlier and, 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 and we meet up here. But, but it is amazing. I'm thinking about, you know, I mean, basically, I, you know, I, I don't have any discussion with anybody but the Father on the way over here. And I just ride over. It, I think maybe twice in the history of Christ's meeting we've ridden together. And it was really a fun experience because like, I don't ride with her. I, I, I really, it's sad them being grown because I used to love when they would ride with dad to church. That, that was a highlight. Rachel did it and Hannah did it. And then Rachel went off to college and me and Hannah were still doing it. And then Rachel got married and me and Hannah are having our thing. I'm like, man, this is awesome. And then she says, dad, I'm graduating next year. I'm like, I know. And it's just, hey, dad, I'm moving out. I'm like, you're not going to ride to church? She goes, no, dad, I got my own car. I know, don't you, just right down there. I'm crying for my pastor. I know he hurts, okay. I know. And some of you are just like, oh, glory to God. You mean I'm not going to have screaming kids in my car forever? I'm going to be able to think on the way to church. Well, yeah, I mean, whatever, call it a blessing. I don't know. Sincere, no cracks here. I, I, I like here about this thing, treating with love. I would just write down Matthew 25. It says, Jesus said that however we treat the least of these, the sick, the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, that's how we treat the Lord himself. And I go, Lord, I fall short. I bet my friends fall short. I would like to try to correct that, Lord. I'd love to have a new attitude. I, I want to move on with you, Lord. I, I want to know what it means to love with this agape love. And then verse 23 through 25 here, the word endures and it's eternal. The word of God lasts forever. We only take this book off the planet. The souls of men lives forever, and the word of God is active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen? Man, this, this book, man, you're saying, you're always bragging on this book. This is the best seller every single year. It will be for all eternity. It lasts it changes, it reads, it transforms, it doesn't fail. And yet, I want, to, I, want to, I want us to get out here. So he says, it's enduring. All men are like grass. They're like the glories, like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Yesterday, Don and I were looking out our kitchen window, and, and we saw something. There in the flower bed beneath the pine straw, there was a little green starting to poke its head up. I, I looked at the hedges yesterday coming into the garage, and I saw six blooms yesterday. You know what that tells me? Resurrection day is coming. It tells me spring is coming. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm going to call you next time it snows like in a week from now. I, I know, it, it might. It, it'll probably mess it up. But for the illustration of this story, it's so cool because I, I see that new life. But even... You know, we've already gone through winter and whatever, and we've had some pretty cold weather from Montgomery, Alabama. Nothing like the Northeast. But, man, the grass, it looks pretty yucky. The bushes, the flowers, they're not very, unless they're pansies or something. I mean, it's just kind of weak. How many of you love spring? I love spring. Do you like spring? I'm looking forward to it. I like everything but pollen and allergies in a yellow convertible that used to be black. Yeah. I'm fighting a cold. I'm just getting over it, although right now I'm drying out. I'm feeling it. And, and so one of my staff, one of the staff that serves with me, they said, you just go ahead. So would y'all forgive me for just a minute? Okay. I, I, I hate to do that in public. They teach us in seminary not to do that. But, dude, when you're dying, you're dying. Okay, so here, let's keep going. <clears throat> 
So <laughs> some of you are like, well, he didn't share it with me. Look under your seat. There's waters for all of you. I lied. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> but I do love you. Okay, okay. <laughs> Look here. He, he tells us in verse 1, get rid of the junk food. Do, do y'all like junk food? I mean, is junk food not just fun? The rest of you are sick. You say, no, I'd rather have fruit. Well, I'll give you some of my plastic French fries and fruit, okay? But, and, and fruit is good. But look here. I want you to look at the language of Peter, chapter 2. Therefore, it's there for her reason. He, he's transitioning. Rid yourselves, put aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He says, it's junk food. You participate in that, it'll ruin your appetite. Remember when you were young, maybe even when you are old? Don't eat that. That'll ruin your dinner. You know, it's going to mess you up. Recently, when we were doing the Better Together conference, I was meeting with the pastors weekly. We were meeting for direction and development and planning and prayer, and, and we'd have a meal together. I won't tell you what restaurant because I want them to stay open. I don't want to ruin it. But we were sitting there, and I looked over at my, one of my pastor friends, and he had this look of, like, disbelief. And then it was like nauseating. And then he goes, no, that can't be. And I'm like, what? He goes, no. And he pulls it out and he goes, I thought it was my tooth. No. It's glass. And I looked down and I went, ooh, glass. We were both eating out of the same salad bar. Can I just say, I know I'm a little heavy, but it messed up my lunch that day severely. Because when you have a lunch and it has glass in it glass is ugly in it i mean, it, I mean it's pretty but it's not made for salads let me just recommend that to you okay so here it is in, in this set of sins they're relational they're horizontal sins that peter discusses but you see if i could be so honest with you because i want to be these sins are evangelically acceptable but they're not to god see because you and I participate in these sometimes. And what does Peter say? Put aside. Get rid of it. Don't have this junk food. Lay it aside. It, it would be like, I'm looking for here. Here's a prop. I have another prop, and I'm saving it for another day. It, something didn't work out. Here it is. I, I thought this would be the best way to do this today. Does anybody know what this right here is when I pull it out? Like, okay, Vanna, get it going here, buddy. All right, here we go. What is it? Well, boy, y'all are smart. I tell you, man, y'all got up early to think of that one. All right, it is a shirt. It's a white shirt. It's a baptism shirt. We have these in baptism. We have baptism scheduled in a couple weeks, and maybe some of you today need to follow Christ in baptism. It symbolizes the purity, the imputed righteousness I preached on last weekend of Christ. People put these on, and they're baptized. As I was doing study, I thought it was amazing. In ancient baptisms... Did you know people would come in whatever attire to the river to be baptized? And maybe they were really dirty and it was really yucky or whatever. They would come down. And when they got there, they would baptize them. And then the church, the temple, would give them all new robes of purity, of white, to wear away. And I just thought, man, that's what it means to have Christ. That Christ wraps his righteousness around you and I and we're white, and we're accepted in the beloved, and we're accepted to the Father. And he says, I want you to put on Christ, but I want you to lay aside 
these five horizontal relational sins that we talked about this morning. Let's look at them quickly. Malice is simply a desire to harm other people. I'm really not in love with them. I don't sincerely love them. I just I want to hurt them. I have ill will. It's an attitude. It's, it, uh, it, the things that I do, there's just this malice. It's just it's, it's, it's a sin rising up in us. And some of us maybe have had malice or have malice this morning. Let's move to the next one here, though, would be the word deceit. It means to deliberately trick or mislead someone by lying to them. So there's a lot of uh, deceit maybe in the church, in the body of Christ, being dishonest, trying to manipulate another person for our own good. Maybe at the expense of them to hurt them, to deceive them. It's, a, it's an appetite quencher is what Peter would say. He goes, it's not fitting for a Christ follower. And then there's hypocrisy, and it means that people say one thing, but they do another. You know, we know from the early world, it would be wearing a mask. We'd come in with this mask on, but we need to drop it and be the real deal. We need not to be a poser. We don't need to be a pretender we don't need to be a hypocrite. I hear it all the time. I won't come to Jesus. Why won't you come to Jesus? All oh, those hypocrites in the church. I go, why don't you join us? There'd just be one more. That's awesome, dude. We're, do y'all agree we're all hypocrites at some point? We are. We talked about the holiness of God last weekend. We talked about looking into the face of Jesus and the majesty and the bigness and the heaviness of God and seeing how short we fall. So it, it falls short. And then, then there's envy. It means desiring something possessed by someone else somebody else had like somebody else gets a new car they get a new computer they get a new dress they get a new golf club they get a new boat they get a new something they get a new house and you're like ah oh, man i should have that why do they have that and we envy and god says it's not healthy it's not fitting for you that write down the word envy eats your soul Envy will dry you and I up spiritually. And maybe people came today with envious hearts and God's like, but I love you. And I don't want you to stay there. I want you to move from that. And then slander. It means to destroy another's good reputation by lies, by gossip, by rumor, by spreading false things about them. And, and we all understand, nobody has to have a definition of slander like, man, <clears throat> I have been slandered. But I want you to ask another question. Have you slandered someone else? And why I find that we slander is because we elevate ourselves. In Ephesians, I believe, 4.29 says, and there should be no unwholesome speech, words come out of your mouth. It's not fitting for a Christ follower. And you're like, wow, man, this is, this is kind of deep, man. This is kind of heavy. This is like convicting, like... So you've heard the thing, just right out there, do my words help or do my words hinder? Are my words helping somebody to pursue Christ, to love Christ more, to know Christ in his fullness and his, his depth? Is this pushing me toward the Savior? And I'm helping others grow in the likeness of the Father? Man, that's what my words do. Or are my words causing them to think, that's what a Christian does? That's what a Christian says? That's how a Christian acts. That's how a Christian defames another person. That's why they're cantankerous and they complain and they whine. And God says, no, that, that, that's not what I have for you, this bitterness. But, but then I want you to see, you, you probably don't see it here. He goes from that and then he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. 
We have a lot of babies at Christ Community Church. Just met a new man today, Michael, and they've got a new baby coming, and the Merkels just had one, and Kirby's in the house, and McLean's somewhere next door. They're doing high def, and uh, little uh, uh, Jacob. Is Jacob in the house? Okay, I thought I saw his mom and dad walk by. Anyway, all, the, all these new babies, and, and, and babies, man, they crave milk. I mean, do you, when, when babies are craving milk, you go, grow up. Quit your whining, baby. Man, if you do, we're going to put you in jail, man. You're a horrible parent. I mean, it's, it's, it's critical at the infant stage, man. Have, have you noticed how fast kids grow? Have you stopped? I haven't done the math, but can you imagine it? You and I grew at the rate that little kids did. We would all be 737 pounds at least. I mean, and we get so excited, oh, my baby's chunky, my baby's growing, my baby's grown this much. I mean, you don't go up to adults going, hey, man, you're looking good, you're growing. I'm not talking about spiritually, dude, you're, you, those fat-friendly chairs at Christ Community, you're filling it up, bro, you're doing good, okay. But he, I know, I'm going to get in trouble. But the reason, the reason kids change, they eat all the time. They eat, sleep, and poop. Eat, sleep, and poop. I mean, man, it's just the way it is. I know you're saying, is that the most spiritual thing you can say? Well, it, it helps. Because a baby is demanding, and they want to be fed. And Peter says, but you, you and me, you need to crave the milk of the Word. You need to crave God's Word. Matter of fact, i got two images that are going to come up. I think it's coming up. There they are. Who's the one on the left? Like, oh, come on, you're in church. Like, oh, I couldn't see it. Oh, it's Taylor Swift, okay? Taylor Swift. Who's the one on the right? Reggie Bush. Don't do it now. I shouldn't even say this in church because you'll shut me off, and i got some great truth I want to share with you. But go to gotmilk.com. They've got some great commercials and all this. But they were doing this in California because milk sales were plummeting. After they did all this great uh, uh, Got Milk ads, it went up about 7%. And I know some of you are going, man, I got milk, got milk, and it's important. But even in some history, listen to this. The Roman emperor Nero, that we talked about how he burned Christians when we started Peter, his wife, his second wife, Popeia, she kept 500 donkeys to provide milk for her bath. Yeah, it was good for the skin. And then I heard in the UK, they claim if you name your cows, your cows produce 3 to 4% more milk. Okay, well, glory to God. That's awesome. The average cow produces 90 glasses of milk per day, 200,000 glasses of milk in a lifetime. Man, them little dudes are busy, aren't they? Okay, that's a lot of milk. But here it is. And here it is. I'll just go ahead and give you a little tip for the day because some of you are thinking about lunch. When you eat hot, spicy food, chili powders, jalapenos, oh, glory, let's just go have some right now. Do you know how the best way to cool it down is? Milk. Milk has all kinds of things, and the protein, and how it helps us grow, how it helps us, how it helps us develop physically. But then God's, but Peter said, hey, but hey, I want you to spiritually crave the word, the milk of the word. I want you to grow up. I want you to mature. I want you to have the nutrition that I want you to have. And I want you to crave God's word, just like a baby craves the milk. You don't have to go, now, baby, you need to eat. Man, that baby, man, they're ready. They're relentless. And all the moms said, yeah, you know, and all the dads like, yeah, whatever, I don't know. Well, you don't, but ask some of our moms. They'll tell you. Okay, all right, so here it is. Crave it, crave it. 
Another word would be desire. Just write it beside crave. Desire the milk of the word to grow in Christ, to move on with him. I like what Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. That's the promise of Jesus. If you really hunger and thirst and crave the word and you're in the word and you crave spiritual truth, then you're going to grow. I'll ask you a simple question this morning. Do you remember when you were first saved? Do you remember when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ? How exciting the word of God was? I do. I couldn't put this book down. I read it and read it and didn't understand it. And I had the Holy Spirit and I would learn some truths. And I'd go ask people questions all the time. I just wanted to know the word. I craved it like a newborn babe. But you know what the word is for some of us this morning? You go days, maybe weeks, and you don't pick it up. And it's not a word of condemnation. I just beg you to come back to the milk of the word this morning. Amen. And say, Father, forgive me. Receive me back like a new baby. And I want to love your word. I want to to move on with you, Lord. Pure milk, unadulterated, uncontaminated, the fullness of God's word. I'll just say this word to you real quick about commentaries. Don't mix the word of of God with psychology necessarily. Don't mix the word of God with theological bents. And don't just mix the word of God with devotionals. And I read devotionals. But you have got to have the 100% word of the living God if you really want to grow and be a strong, mature believer in Jesus Christ. Read this book. Let it get into your soul. Study his word. And God will promise to nourish us. Do you think God wants us whippy Christians? No. He says, I'll make you brave. I want you to be a warrior. Am I surrounded by warriors this morning? I pray I am. And then he says, above all else, get the word here. He says, crave the food. And then he goes, look what he says here. He says, taste that the Lord is good. Man, you remember when you first tasted, as we talked about it, just tasting, being mindful, being careful, being faithful. Lord, I have tasted that your mercies are new. I've tasted, God, and you are gracious. You see, sometimes I think we operate in those horizontal sins we listed earlier in Peter because we have forgotten how gracious the Lord has been to us. And when we've been forgiven and loved much, then we love him back much. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. Do I have a witness this morning? He's good. He's gracious. He's strong. It's that personal taste. Lord, like, you remember when you taste or you taste your favorite food or, or a new food and you like it? And you're like, man, I'm coming back for more. You know when restaurants come into our city and then you get to sample it or you get to go eat there and you're like, I am going back. See, a lot of y'all, I got y'all tricked. <laughs> Not tricked, maybe deceived. Okay. Everybody asks me all the time, Pastor, I know you love shrimp basket and you eat there. How often do you eat there? Honestly, I've only eaten at the one in Montgomery right by my house, I think twice. I do it on purpose because when we go to the Gulf, I wear it out, baby. And I go there all the time. And it's so good. And I just kind of savor that taste and I want to keep it special. So I feel like if I go all the time, man, it's like, you know, he's not going to enjoy it. Plus, 
My wife says it would probably kill me if I ate that much fried food all the time. And, and she's right. She has a goal. She wants to keep me around. Amen? Wait a minute. Amen? And that, that, that was a little scary. I mean, I was asking for a, a little support there, and uh, y'all just uh, checked out on me and went, yeah, we, well, you know, it'd be okay if somebody else comes next week. You know, we'll, 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 we'll love them. You know, boy, I feel loved here today. Uh, <clears throat> write down this thought. Christian growth begins with a taste. We taste and see that the Lord is good. That, that, that's what Peter tells us here. And then here, he, he changes the metaphor. He's gone from milk. Now he's going to this living stone, chosen people, royal priesthood. Look there, verse 4. As you come to him, living stones rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I love this. And he goes through this language, and I, I want to show it to you. He says, basically, build up the house. Build up the house of faith. Build up the body of Christ. The living stones. Why is it living stones? It's not marble. It's not granite. It is the living Christ that dwells now in you by faith. You're a living stone. When you come to Christ, he adds you into the bigger race called the redeemed, and God is building a spiritual house, and you're just one stone in the house. How many of you are glad that you're a stone in the house of the living God? You're living, you're a living stone. You're like, no, I'm a dead stone. Dead stones don't cut it, puppy. It's like uh, Buddha, they enshrined him. <laughs> He's dead. Buddha, Confucius. Krishna, whoever, man, just name somebody. They're dead, but Jesus, he's alive to make intercession for us. The living stone. And then verse 5, a holy priesthood works in the building, having the right attitude and motives toward God. God, I love you. Build me. Build the church through the living stones of Christ, the cornerstone, part of the foundation. You set the design and the structure, and it's the key. In the beginning to the end, the head, the capstone is who? Jesus he holds all things together. And that's what Peter's saying. That's what I want you to be. Your gaze is drawn upon Christ. You look to Christ, to him alone. He is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. He is the head. He's the authority for the church. How many of you want to just give God some praise because he's Lord? Yeah, amen. There you go. But then, look, look down here. He goes, hey, we lay a stone in Zion, a chosen, a precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him, they'll never be put to shame. I love that good news. But now, to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected. Jesus was a stumbling stone to some because they would reject him. They wouldn't receive him. They wouldn't believe him. They wouldn't trust him. They would just trip over him. He's the rock of the ages. And verse 9 keeps going. The chosen people, the royal priesthood, the special property, the priesthood of all believers, a holy people. Let me just say this to you. We label ourselves. And some of you this morning, you came in here and you labeled yourself sinner, condemned, ashamed, loser. Some of you came in the house today and you went... Winner, successful, champion, arrogant, prideful, in charge. Neither one of those are good. Should have come in here saying, follower of Jesus. Christ is Lord. He's my life. I look to him. He builds me. He sustains me. He keeps me. He labels us. 
He transfers his privileges to us. He says, now you're the church, and I give you my authority. You're the body of Christ. You're the church. You're the kingdom of priests. You're the people of God. Move with me. And then he talks here. Let's keep going here. Verse 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into a wonderful light. I love that. When Jesus saved me, the Bible says, for me and you that are in Christ, he transferred me from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the Son in whom he loves. He called us forth into not darkness, but light to declare. Did you know this morning we're living demonstrations for Jesus Christ? You're saying, well, I'm not a very good living demonstration. Then become one today. Repent. Believe him. Become holy. I mean, you know, you're like, man, and look what he goes on to say. Then he goes, and once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now, now, Bubba, that's in the Hebrew, you not really, I just made that up. Now you receive mercy. Now you receive this compassionate treatment of God that deserves hell and the punishment and justice. But because of the compassionate love of our Savior, now you've received mercy. I remember when I cried out to Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he did. And he does for you too. I love that. I just want you. And then look what he says here in verse 11. Now, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Now, you're, you're a sojourner. I mean, we talked about that earlier, Peter. You're just a pilgrim. You're just kind of coming through this old world, stopping off for a while. Some of us are stopping off a little longer than others. He goes, but now, abstain, get rid of, throw off that sinful stuff and become like Christ. He's got this holiness theme all through Peter. It's just running. He's attractive. He's gracious. <clears throat> Look at Philippians 2.15. It's going to come up on the screen, I think. Or maybe not. I'll read it. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation, and then you will shine like stars in the sky. And that's what Christ wants for you and I, to be his testimonies, his demonstration so I wrote it right in the middle of the page so I could remember and you could all see it. Declare his praises, church. I've come to praise the Lord. How about you? And I didn't just come to declare him in here. I've come to declare him over my life and in my home and in my neighborhood and in my community and in my relationships. And that's what I pray you do today. So the team's going to come. As they come, I pray that we'll get in on this just declaring the praises of our great God, that we'll be a rock-solid witness for Christ, that we just say, Lord, I want to rid myself of this sinful stuff, and I want to put on you anew, and I'm a living stone today. I'm a holy priesthood. God, I'm who you say I am. He's a great God, and I pray that we'll follow him. He's worthy of our time and our attention. Let's pray together. Can you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you this morning for your presence. And Lord, that you have called us by name to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and convict us where we miss the mark, where we fall short, where we've strayed. Lord, maybe there's some things today we need to put off, we need to cast aside. And help us to take up the risen, powerful, majestic, loving Christ. Jesus, be our life and our Lord. 
Lord, we worship you. Help us to follow you with pure hearts and clean hands. In the name of Jesus, amen. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to slide over here to a uh, place of just prayer. Last week, people just lined up. If they don't, it didn't bother me. If you got heavy needs, I'd love to pray with you. We're going to do a great song that will reinforce the truth of God's word this morning. I invite everybody in the room to stand, to feel free to come forward to this altar. Or if you want prayer on the side, I'd love to pray for you. But our service is not quite over, so let's continue to worship him.